Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Mobile hunters, are you looking to make the move to saddle hunting this year? Or maybe you just want to add a few new pieces of gear or upgrade your current saddle gear. If that's the case, then head over to tetherednation.com where they've got all mobile hunters covered. Whether you're new to saddle hunting or an old timer, Tethered is your one-stop saddle shop. From saddles to ropes, sticks, ascenders, whatever it is you need, they have you covered. I've personally been using their gear for the past three seasons. Now my base setup consists of the Phantom Saddle and the Predator Platform. And if you're wondering why, I've chosen to use their gear above all else. Here's the cliff notes. They're innovative and pushing the mobile hunting forward overall. They cut no corners and prioritize the safety and performance of their gear. They care about the community that they've created and their gear allows me to hunt free. And above all else, I like to support good people doing good work. If you're interested in upping your mobile hunting game, then head to tetherednation.com. This podcast is brought to you by Skull Brew Coffee Company. Skull Brew Coffee roasts premium single-origin coffee, guaranteeing to deliver the freshest coffee directly to your doorstep. The kicker? They're 2% for conservation certified and donate 10% of their proceeds back to organizations who support the interests of our hunting community. So go to SkullBrewCoffee.com and pick up one of their three killer roasts and fuel your hunt and fill more tags with Skull Brew Coffee. Welcome to the Truth From The Stand Deer Hunting Podcast brought to you by Skull Brew Coffee Company. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you're listening to episode number 219. Today, I'm catching up with my good buddy, Mr. Johnny Utah Mulligan, and we're talking about getting closure in Kansas. So stay tuned. What is up, everyone? Happy Wednesday to you. Hope you're doing well. Hope you are feeling fine. Hope for those of us that have been in the snowy area, hopefully uh, you guys are getting dug out. Finally, it's warmed up here just a little bit, and um, it seems like the snow is starting to recede just just a bit. We're actually getting some rain, so hopefully it's going to melt it all off. And my hope is is that by next weekend, I'll actually be able to go out and start um, 
start hitting the timber and uh, doing some postseason scouting and start making some plans. I think the pieces that I actually want to get to further north um, might have to wait a little longer, which is kind of a bummer because um, we had a significant amount of snow here. And uh, in the Poconos, I know that they had even more than I than I have currently where I'm where I'm at. I'm probably two hours, two and a half hours south of some of those places. So I know just from some reports from some uh, some friends of family um, that first round of snow that we got, we got maybe a foot and they got two. And then we got a subsequent two plus more feet here. And, uh, and so I think they're probably well over um, three or so up, up in that general area. And what I don't want to do is I don't want to make a trip up there and um, find out that there's way too much snow and way too deep for me to really have do anything constructive. So um, it's going to be a mad dash in March to try to get stuff done because I try to get as much of it done as possible before things start to really kind of green up of course um especially in a new area like that where i've never been before and it's all going to be brand new to me so i really need to be able to see the sign um some of the places locally i kind of know what i need to do there um i'm going to check out maybe a few new spots here that are close to me um but those are going to just be kind of monitoring going and looking to see where the sign was laid down in particular areas where i where i knew that it was kind of good uh previously just to kind of verify that and some of the areas that I, get, I didn't get to. Um, and then there is one spot where there's this, just a huge clear cut that I I didn't get a chance to scout last year. And it was probably shame on me for that. Um, it was brand new last year. It was actually on a piece that I was I was hunting anyway. And I had some decent deer on a, partic- on a camera on this particular piece. However, in a completely different area from where the clear cut was. Um, and I just never made it to... Uh, I just never made it to that cut. It was brand new last year. So this year it should be really good and it's a rather large cut. So my plan is to kind of go there, check it out, uh, hopefully find some sign and uh, put up some cameras and, and monitor that and see what's uh, see what's shaking in that, in that general area. But uh, this time of year, man, shed hunting, I know is just is, is upon us. Uh, I'm terrible at it. I go out and I look for them. I, I, I typically don't really find any. Um, it's more of a scouting mission. So for those of you out there shed hunting, I hope you find some, uh, find some white gold, um, but kind of hitting the the time of year where we start, you know, maybe focusing on the honeydew list. But with that, not going to belabor the upfront here, going to get, uh, just kind of get jumped into today's podcast. You, you know, him, you love him. I have my buddy, Mr. Johnny Utah Mulligan on. Um, we're really just kind of catching up, man. Uh, he, he's got a lot of stuff going on, everything from catfishing to dirt track racing to you name it. We kind of cover it. Um, the one thing that we do co- uh, cover though, is if you've tracked with his story at all, um, this past year, you know, the couple times we've had a chance to catch up, you know, he had some family things that were going on that he, um, you know, that he, that he shared, um, his, his dad got really sick, um, you know, and, uh, and did pass away. Um, and so it, it was a real kind of, uh, it was a hard season, you know, for John, for a lot, for a lot of different reasons. Um, and the way the season kind of closed for him on a particular hunt, uh, in Kansas was, was really kind of cool. Um, you know, and, and John did a film about it. He, 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 uh, of course films everything. Um, and so, you know, if you, if you haven't yet head over to the Arrow Wild YouTube channel and check out the, the, uh, the film related to his Kansas hunt, um, super cool film, super cool buck. Um, and we're going to get into that today and talk and talk about it. But before we jump into things, as always, I want to thank you all for listening. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the truth from the stand deer hunting podcast. And today, you know, him, you love him. I've got the Kentucky Rattler, Johnny Dirt Track, by God, Utah Mulligan. Dude, I tell you, I'm I'm ready to like jump in a dirt car right now. <laughs> Dude, I told you, it's like we 
I always say I have to come up with like the nicknames for you. And like right before this, the Kentucky Rattler just came to me. The Rattler. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I don't know really where it came from, but actually I do uh, know. Back, I do. What's that? Well, back in the day, um, I actually raced against a guy. Uh, his name was Justin Ratliff and his, his, uh, race name was the Rattler. The Rattler. Nice. That's such yeah. a good name, man. The Kentucky. Yeah, oh yeah. The Kentucky Rattler. The, uh, yeah. where it came from was I was online the other day. This is totally not hunting related, um, uh-huh. but it is related to one of the two things that you and I both have in common that we like. Um, I was, I was jonesing for some like dirt track racing for whatever reason. And I was like, and I remember I was talking to, you know, Cameron from Exodus, right? Cam, Cam yep. the cameraman. Um, yep. he's big into dirt track racing too. Like what is he, he really? Oh yeah. Like huge into, I think his brother actually even either did race or still currently races. And I think it's sprint cars. If it's not oh, his okay. brother, it's, it's someone in his family races. Sure. I'm almost hundred percent sure because we were out scouting and he, and I had mentioned something about wanting to go see a sprint car race. And he was like, dude, he's like, you're into sprint car racing. I'm like, yeah, dude. I was like, I love sprint car racing, you know? And, um, so I was jonesing for some of that the other night. And he was telling me, I don't know where he was watching it, but when we were scouting this summer, he was saying that he had something online that he watched all kinds of like dirt track racing, you know? And so I just, it dawned on me the night when I was sitting, you know, I, I do watch, you know, some football and it's like football season's over. It's like, I don't really watch basketball. There's no other sport that I really watch. And even during football, I don't really watch much because I'm hunting on Saturdays and I'll watch some on Sundays, but we're, yeah. in, we're in that lull of time where it's like, there's jack shit on to watch on tv and i've got like right. snow i got snow outside it's like asshole deep to a giraffe so yeah i'm not doing anything outside and so i was like you know what man yeah. i should just i was like i should try to find some racing online and so i got uh-huh. on dirt vision and yeah I, I downloaded their uh apple tv app and so now i got dirt track racing whenever the hell i want yeah so um Every year I have an annual membership to uh dirt on dirt. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a great app. And then, um, this year, the first few races of the season were out in Arizona, the wild west shootout for late models. And that was, uh, on flow racing. There's like flow sports. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I think he watches um, flow. I think is actually what he was using. Yep. And then, um, Mav TV was doing the rest of the winter nationals. They were down at like uh, East Bay in like in Gibsonton, Florida. Mm-hmm. And then they were racing at uh, Volusia uh, mm-hmm. County. Yep. And then they were uh, at uh, Bubba uh, Raceway Park in Ocala. Mm-hmm. So uh, one of my one of my best friends, he's uh, currently. I believe he's seventh or eighth in the Lucas oil points right now. He didn't oh, have nice. the best running at winter nationals, but, uh, but yeah, my buddy, Mike Marler out of Tennessee, I am all about some dirt Dude, racing. Yeah. You God, just I dropped, love it. You just dropped all kinds of knowledge right there. It's like, I literally have like yeah. one app and it, the best thing was, was, um, I started because th- this thing has like a vault where you can, I didn't get like this paid subscription where I could watch all the live stuff. Cause I'm not that into it, you know? So I was like, you sure, know sure. I'll sign up. They can send me some emails. And if there's a cool like world of outlaw sprint race that I want to watch live, I have an account and then I can just buy a ticket to that race. And I was like, and that's yeah. cool. I was like, and that's cool. I was like, but I'll go back and watch all the vault races. Cause they release them like a week after they run, they'll release them in the vault. Yeah. Exactly. You know? Yep. And so 
I started kind of going back through that and I was watching, I was like, who would have thunk it? But like they have sprint car racing in Scotland and there was a ton of races in Scotland. And so that's hilarious. My brother-in-law is super into dirt track racing too. So I text him. I was like, dude, I'm watching dirt track racing sitting on my couch. He's like, Uh who's running? I'm like, oh, well, it's an old thing or whatever. And I was like, it's actually in Scotland. I was like, who would have thunk that they had, you know, sprint car rednecks in, in Scotland. He's like, yeah. And I, was yeah. Like, and I said, the weirdest thing is, man, they go the opposite way on the tracks. So they turn right. And he's like, what? No way. <laughs> and no, they don't. Do they really? No, they don't. <laughs> oh, I was like, really? Yeah. No. Oh, no. that's good stuff. Yeah. But he, he seriously bought it for like a hot minute. He was like, man, that's crazy. You know? <laughs> I'm like, no. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was look, thinking about it and I'm like, well, maybe they do the cockpit maybe is on the right hand side. So then maybe they do make right hand turns. Right. Uh, yeah, that kind of threw me off for a little bit there. Yeah, nice. so, zinger. That's the zinger for today right there. Is yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so otherwise, man, what have you been up to dude? Other than, other than thinking about dirt track racing. Yeah. Um, January has been very busy. Um, you know, after the Iowa season ended, um, I have been swamped with uh, freelance photo gigs. That's I've been good. traveling. Yeah, I've been traveling a lot. And um, so that, yeah, that's been awesome. I have, uh, I have dove into the catfishing world. All right. So I know when we, when we talked, I know you'd been doing some stuff with some catfishing folks. Yeah. You know, and doing some photo shoots and stuff like that. Are you yep. like getting bit by the catfishing bug to where it's like, yeah, I, I like it. You know, I mean, I grew up in, you know, in Kentucky, we had a farm pond mm-hmm. and the way we catfish then was just on the bank mm-hmm. with catfish dough, uh, bait and cast your lines and you set a big ass rock mm-hmm. on your rod and reel. And then I'd go back to mowing the farm or, you know what I mean? Mowing yeah. grass, bush hogging. And then sometime after dinner, then I'd go back out there with my flashlight and pull all my, you know, pull all my lines back in. And sometimes I'd have some catfish on there. Sometimes I wouldn't, but whatever. So that was my idea of catfishing. And back um, September-ish, I ended up going on to Alabama, like big blue cats, you know? Right. And I went there to do photos for a client. and, and I was getting kind of bored. There wasn't a lot of biting going on. It was like two, three in the morning. And they said, Hey, you want to give it a shot? And I'm like, hell yes. I thought you guys would never ask, you know, <laughs> um, cut up some skipjack and tossed a few, you know, heaved a few lines out there. And, uh, one in particular, I didn't even get a chance to get my rod back in the holder and the tip of the pole is already touching the water. And so I'm to this, you know, right. I was like, this is, this is the real deal. You know, I I've got Moby Dick on here somewhere. Um, but it ended up being a 48 pound blue cat and that was, yeah, like a a sea monster. But of course that's like half the weight of what some of those big, big blues that come out of Alabama way on rod and reel. So, um, anyways, it's a pretty fun. Um, I ended up signing on with the cat masters tournament to kind of be their resident photographer. Um, for that tournament series. And then of course, from there, it just kind of turned into, they have their corporate sponsors Mm -hmm. and their corporate sponsors were like, Hey, I need a photographer. Uh, I don't know any, but I know you now. So 
you want to shoot the commercial or you want to shoot some photos, you know, right. for our, our company lifestyle and, you know, website images. So yeah, it's nuts, man. It's, just, it's like a whole, a whole nother market, whole nother category. Um, and you know, sometimes it's cool to do that outside of the hunting space. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, I think if we're so immersed in hunting and you go and do something on the outside, I don't know all the lingo, but I also <laughs> don't pretend that I do either. Right. Um, but you've got a fresh set of eyes and you look at things differently. So no matter mm-hmm. what, my content is going to be shot a little different than what they're used to. Right. Um, right. So yeah, it's been, it's been fun, man. I've been super busy with that. Um, I was now, out near neck of the, kind well, of your neck of the woods. Kind of yeah. my neck of the woods. Before we get there, have you, are you yeah. doing, are you doing like the hand in the mouth? No, shit, no. That seems That's, like a little freaky to me, man. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, Hannah Barron and Jeff Barron, I've hung out with them a good bit. And, um, what's and that called? I, for, actually, I forget what that's called. Noodling. Noodling. There, there you go. Noodling. Yeah. So they, they actually talked to me for a hot minute there about coming down to Alabama and noodling with them back over the summer. And we talked about it and I'm like, all right, let's make it happen. Let's do it. I, you know, I'll, I'll try anything once. Um, and then I never, never heard anything more from, them. so I don't know if I just fell off the radar or they just got really, really busy. So, right. um, but no, I, that noodling stuff, man, that could be kind of sketchy. Now, I, my understanding, the way they do it is they do it in the boxes, they mm. plant boxes down on the ground, okay. um, down, you know, down in the water. And I think they, they'll even take a stick and put in there just to make sure you don't have like a snapping turtle or, you know, something like that in there. Yeah. But, uh, they'll check some holes, but no, man, I mean, that's the real deal. It's, it's pretty freaky. And I mean, just on rod and reel, you know, when I went to pick this big blue up and hold him up and did my little grip and grin photo with him, I mean, he chomped down on my hand and it drew blood. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, it drew blood. Yep. That's, that's for real. So yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't um, know. But, I don't know that I could get down on the noodling stuff, man. Cause that's like. You're also in snake country, and yeah, you watch. I was, I've been, I've watched people do it before, and they they just kind of walk along these muddy banks, you know what I mean? That have like, you know, a place where you could get almost like a little cave or a hole or whatever they can get down in. It's like it's also a great place for you know, um, for snakes to make their den. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, no thanks. Yeah, there's more than one animal that calls that home. Yeah, I ain't I ain't trying to encounter either one of them. <laughs> this Pennsylvania guy is like, I'll stick to the trout stream. All good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. In spring, whenever it's not quite warm enough for the copperheads and stuff to come out quite yet, like I'm all I'm all good. Right. Yep, for sure. So then you were in my neck of the woods, and that was you were doing some bird hunting there, weren't you? Yep. Yep. Um, had a client, um, Heroes Outdoor Therapy. It's a, it's a nonprofit, uh, veteran group that takes, uh, they take vets out on hunts and, and it, it outdoor adventures and stuff. But, um, and they the had, you got for that were dope too, dude. You sent me some, oh, man. Those, yeah. those were dope, man. That was, that was, I appreciate it. Yeah. That was, that was a blast. Um, yeah, went, went out there. We did a, we, we went to a game farm and I guess in the world of pheasant hunting, um, you know, game farm birds are like uh, high fence 
right? Right, right. And uh, kind of has that same nomenclature, you know? Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, to me, it's a little different, though. Because let's say I've got a German short hair or, a you know, a wire hair, whatever, griffin. And and I have I've got a brand new dog mm-hmm. and, I, and we haven't gone out for the real thing. I'm assuming there's some training, right? Right. I mean, you need to kind of train your dog like I don't I don't have a problem with those game farms. You know, mm-hmm. if you're doing groups and functions and nonprofit events and training new dogs or or just maybe keeping your dogs fresh. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see nothing wrong with that at all. Well, now, that, you know, that, if you're if you're going and representing, you know, that it was a free right. range deal. Sure. That's different, you know? Right. Well that, and it's like what the, what they're doing for these guys, like the hunt, in my opinion, what this particular nonprofit is doing is second, secondary to supporting the veterans that are, that are benefiting from it. Correct. Right. You know, correct. So like in my mind, it's like the a one objective of that is to take some, some folks who may have a, you know, some challenges from the service that they've provided and you're trying to give them an outlet and an experience. Right. And it's like, I mean, look, you and I are willing to walk around the woods and not see anything on plenty of hunts. Right. But this person may not be sure. a person that can get out all that often. Um, and may not have yep. the, may struggle with some, you know, anxiety issues or whatever that may preclude them from getting out on their own or whatever that keeps them from getting out or whatever the case is. Right. So it's like, in that case, man, it's like whatever it takes to get someone outdoors and, you know, be able to use the outdoors for some mental health all, all about it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It, and, it, and, you know, and it's been super cool to get out there with them um, and see what they're doing with some of these vets. And, you know, I'm fortunate that I get to, to poke some of them and to do like the post hunt interviews and stuff. And I'm right. like, Hey, how, how today go? And, and every time they're just like, um, I, you know, it, it, it's such a cool opportunity to come out and, you know, spend some time with some other vets and, uh, you kind of miss that camaraderie that you have and, yeah. you know, whatnot. It, it's, it's so fulfilling. You know what I mean? Like I get, I get just as much joy out of it and, and I'm never pulling a trigger on anything, you know, right. other than a, other than a shutter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's so it's uh it's super fun and yeah, man, I was able to like I said, it, you know, it, it take some take some cool pictures and have a good time and laugh out with those guys, but unfortunately, I got stuck in Harrisburg yeah, you that did. big snowstorm hit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I could never survive quarantine. I know that for a fact because I spent 18 hours in a hotel room and I was about to off myself. You called me and so, you're like, you're like, I'm in a hotel room. I, yeah. I, I'm sitting in my underwear. I'm eating yeah. some like shitty vending machine food right now. Yeah. <laughs> Living your best like hotel life <laughs> down on yeah. your luck, stuck in a snowstorm. Yeah. yeah. I could never, ever do quarantine. Kudos to those people that can travel somewhere and be locked into a hotel room for 14 days. This yeah. cat ain't happening. Yeah, that would be that would be I'd, I'd lose my mind. Yeah, that would be uh that would be brutal. But I mean back to the to the birds, man. Like with the farms and stuff like that. Like there's places in PA that they stock birds. Because like yeah. for example, yeah. like back home, you know, I know there was a bunch of there was a bunch of birds, you know, when I was growing up, my dad and I used to go bird hunting a fair amount. 
my uh-huh. dad, my dad's still real into it, but they just, I mean, the numbers just dwindled and dwindled and dwindled to where like places back home where you used to find them just regularly or naturally or whatever. They're just not, not there unless they're stocked. You know what I mean? So right. it's the same thing with like yep. trout, trout streams and stuff like that too, man. I mean, they stock the trout streams back home and stuff like that. And so for some of those things, like, you know, you don't get those experiences without some assistance or without some help. Yeah, you know? yeah exactly. So, yeah. And it was, like I said, man, it was super cool, um, to be out there doing what they're doing. And, but like I said, I mean, it was, it was interesting to me too, because, um, at the end of the day, like it's almost no different than the hunting world, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Ah, man, you know, out there doing some high fence hunting, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's everyone should just be, you know, let. Uh, let each have their own. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Everything kind of has a place, you know what I mean? Right. And, like, and you know, it, yeah. it, it fulfills a need and, and that's cool. Just like certain high fence operations and stuff like that. Fill a need for some don't fill a need for me, but they fill a need for someone. Otherwise it wouldn't be in business, yep. you know? We, yep. So, but man, I want to pivot sure. to, well, first, before we pivot to whitetail hunting, you know, I'd be, remiss if i didn't tell you happy valentine's day you got the big you know like likewise you big sweetheart (laughs) it's hey uh, i saw one of the funniest things the other day it was like uh somebody made a meme with uh and and not to not to take this section of the podcast political but it had a certain press secretary's face right as hard and it said, like, will you be my Valentine? I promise to circle back. Okay. <laughs> it was funny. That's awesome, man. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, Valentine's Day, you know, not to get off on the Valentine's Day rant, but it's like the most bullshit made up holiday on the planet. And I hate gift giving. And it's just like one more holiday that I got to go out. I told my wife, I was like, you know, tomorrow morning I'm going to have to get up and go down to the gas station and get you one of those roses it's in the glass little glass container and like a, bo- a, bottle, a bottle of five hour energy drink the red kind at least because it's valentine's day i was like because that's where i'm at i was like that's the planning I'm yeah done. oh that's good stuff the uh and then i was telling someone at work i was like you know when i was in the band there was a 7-eleven that wasn't far away from a rehearsal space and i would stop there you'd always see like some hard on, uh. hard on down on his luck kind of guy in there buying a a glass stem rose from in there and a Brillo pad. Yeah. You're like, you're like, oh man, old boy's getting ready to party tonight. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, it's so funny. You said that. Cause I was going to bring that up. <laughs> it, we used to, uh, the gas stations, they'd call them the Brown bag specials mm-hmm. and you'd get one chore boy, one glass pipe with little rose inside of it. Yeah. Yeah. That was yeah. like, that was the, uh, <laughs> the, 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 the bum special right there. Yep, like but, somebody's gonna smoke that crack rock tonight. Oh yeah, that and that old E gonna get toe up. Yep, from the flow up. Yep. <laughs> oh, it's so funny, man. Yeah. So we've pretty much driven this one straight into the dumpster. We'll try to salvage it here, by <laughs> <laughs> Hey, if anybody's still listening, we're gonna make a segue into hunting. Yeah, after <laughs> we talked about you know crackheads and stuff, we'll go ahead and segue into hunting. But uh, with right, that right. hard transition. I think the last time we talked, like you were getting ready to go back uh, and make a second trip to, I think it was your, your second trip. You were getting ready to make a second trip to Kansas first trip. Yeah. Cause your first trip 
I'm just kind of recapping for people. First trip, you had hunted a couple days in October. The deer you were after in mm-hmm. Iowa, as you would suspect, showed up on trail camera, you know, near where you hunt multiple days in daylight <laughs> as if he knew you weren't going to be there. And you were in yep. Kansas hunting. You had missed a decent deer, came back mm-hmm. and finished out the Iowa season. And you were going back to Kansas for, for late season, I think is where we, where we left it. So I know how that yep. story ended. So if you wouldn't mind, let's talk a little bit about the Kansas, the, the Kansas redemption, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I had been out in Kansas, um, the very first day I got up early, early that morning, left Kansas or Iowa, drove out to Kansas, got into a set and, um, had been in the tree maybe an hour, hour and a half and started crashing the horns together and a really, really nice buck. The buck that I actually came there to shoot comes charging in and he kind of checked up a little early. He was downwind on me. He was trying to catch some scent, but he wasn't moving. He stood there for a minute, and I kind of told myself, if this deer doesn't move for a whole damn minute, like, I'm going to go ahead and send carbon at him because I think he's just froze. You know, Mm -hmm. like, he's not moving until he sees a deer. He heard a fight. He can't smell anything, and if I don't don't send an arrow, he's eventually just going to leave it. So... I thought at that distance as as windy as it was that I could go ahead and send an arrow his direction. And I didn't have anything to worry about. Um, he ended up dropping about 18 to 20 inches <laughs> and, uh, the arrow sailed right over his back. And so we ended up hunting a couple more days trying to get back on him and couldn't get back on him. And then I got a phone call from my mom and she advised that my dad was sick and, um, you know, we were joking and I was like, yep, he probably got the Rona. Right. And it, it turned out to not be Rona. It ended up being stage four cancer. And we never knew of stages one, two or three. Um, so, you know, the first time he went to the doctor's office, he came out and he was stage four cancer. So, um, that was just pretty much done for me. Like it didn't feel right to be hunting. Mm -hmm. You know, I felt like I was like, man, I, I gotta get home. So, um, yeah. And I, and I had all these deer running around Iowa and, and, uh, but at the end of the day, the main, the main, main, main reason that I left Kansas was it just didn't feel right. You know, my heart wasn't in it. I didn't really want to be there. I just wanted to get back to Kentucky, you know, and visit yeah. with my, with my folks. So I ended up leaving and, uh, got to go visit, you know, Kentucky came back to Iowa, hunted a little bit. And then I went back to Kentucky, you know, for Thanksgiving and whatnot. Um, my dad ended up passing away December 16th and like, um, our shotgun season, you know, was, uh, was, was still in at -hmm. the time. And, um, so came back to Iowa and kind of fiddled around and, and, you know, Kelly's like, She's like, you got to get out of the house. Like you're driving me crazy. Cause I mean, I was, I was just moping around the house. I just felt like crap, you know? Um, so I knew that I still had a Kansas tag, um, you know, to burn. And I was like, you know what? That's what I need to do. I, I just need to, I, I need to get out and keep myself busy. So I went, uh, went back out to Kansas and, uh, self film solo hunted, uh, on the third day, the second or third day. Um, and ended up shooting a buck um, that morning out there. So 
is kind of a cool way to wrap up the the season yeah. and and like to go back to Kansas and shoot one where um you know where I was before and and I left on not such good terms you know and uh I I mean I was by myself and I cried like a big baby you know what I mean and rightfully so man like the uh yeah I remember whenever it was uh I was sitting in my office working that day and of course I knew that I I, I you know you're one of my best friends, man. And I love you to death. And so I, I had known what was going on with like the family and, and, and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, we hadn't talked a whole lot after only cause I, my kind of approach is like, I'm there for my boys when they, when they need me, I'm not going to intrude yeah. and impose, you know, and let them kind of let me know whenever we, when we need to chat or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah. we had talked since then here and there and texted and stuff like that. And I knew that you were in Kansas and I'm sitting here working and, uh, and it's funny cause I think we've said this in the podcast before, like you and I don't call each other unless we're driving. Right. Like, yeah. like it's typically like we text all the time, but it's like, we won't do a phone call unless we're driving. Usually occasionally we will, but like typically yeah. if one calls the other, like we're on the road. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. One of us is rolling down the highway. Right. Exactly. And so I knew you were in Kansas and my phone starts buzzing and I just happened to not be in a meeting and I look down and it's a, and it's a FaceTime and I'm like, and I'm like, John doesn't FaceTime me ever. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like never does he FaceTime me. So immediately I was like, ah, oh, old boy shot a buck. I was like, I guarantee you he, he killed, did. Yeah. So, so I'm in the middle of work yeah. and I pick up the phone. I'm like, did you kill it? And you were like, yeah, man. Like, it's like, it was just, <laughs> it was probably my favorite phone call from this season for a bunch of different reasons, man. Like one, because I just, you know, super stoked that my buddies kill, kill a deer, you know, but second, yeah. it was just like all the, all the shit you had been through and stuff like that, man. It was just, you know, um, I kind of understand like how therapeutic those like solo moments can be, you know what I mean? And yeah, I was just glad that you yeah. got to have that. And it's almost like, you know, a sense of not a hundred percent closure, man, but it's like, there's a chapter that closes like, in a way, you know what I mean? They'll let, let you kind of start to look forward again. You know what I mean? Like you needed like that one good thing, like that one like yeah. positive experience yeah. to go, all right, I've had a rough go, but man, not to quote the movie from the nineties, but it can't rain all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, right, right. you know what I mean? It's like, and yeah. so I was just super stoked that, 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 that happened. I mean, was this, what I lo- I want you to explain the buck too, because what I love is like the buck, his rack and like, it was like the first thing you had said to me, like when you killed him and like, when I saw the picture, it was like, not only was the end of the hunt fitting, like how it like closed, like the thing, everything out, but yeah. the characteristics of the buck kind of also make it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, when, so, uh, uh, another buck had actually come in that morning, but it was like, 26 27 minutes before legal shooting light and the only way i could really tell what he was was through binos you know how sometimes you can look through binos or your scope mm-hmm. and things are a little bit brighter you know yeah. and uh, i looked at him through the scope and and it, it was a it was a really clear sky and it was enough to at least i could make out a silhouette of this buck's rack and i'm like oh damn i mean he was wide Right. You know, he was probably a good 20, 21 inch inside spread buck. He wasn't real tall timed, but he was a real, real good looking, you know, three or four year old buck. And, and, uh, I was like, 
damn, it's too early, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and I looked at it and I thought, well, man, if he stay, you know, if he hangs around for the next 15 to 20 minutes and I get into shoot, you know, legal shooting light, I can kill him. And he ended up walking away. And I had a little conversation with myself. I'm like, well, at least I saw a shooter, you know, like I, I, I might not get a crack at one, but damn, you know, at least I saw one that was cool. Mm -hmm. And, um, then it gets to legal shooting light and I'm looking around. I'm like, well, that buck's gone. And I mean, I could see him like 300 yards out, you know, in this Milo field. Um, and it was so cold, you know, whenever you pulse hole through ice, mm-hmm. some, uh, some critter I could hear pulse holing through the Creek next to me. And, uh, I was like, well, we better take a little sneak peek out, out of this blind and see what's, see what's coming. And it was a, a, another buck. And, and when I first looked at him from a distance, I was like, Hmm, looks like he's missing some antlers. I was like, or he's just like a six pointer or something like that. Then he got a little closer and then I could tell what was broken. And he had, he had flyers broken off his G twos and his G three is just completely missing altogether on the right side. And, um, I'm like, good Lord, he's, he's got 15 to 20 inches of bone that's broke off. And, and I, I made the comment, I'm like, man, he's all busted up. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know what? I'm a little busted up too right now. Right. And, uh, yeah, I, it was no question in my mind. I was like, I'm killing him, you know? Yep. And, uh, yeah, I was like, man, busted up deer, busted up season, busted up mentality. Yep. I was pretty worn out, beat up myself. And, um, we, I had a bunch of trail camera pictures of that buck and my buddy had actually named this buck, the can opener, which mm-hmm. he's got these little flyers off of his twos that look like, you know, can openers. And, um, we, from looking at all the trail camera pictures and, and holding the antler, you know, the, the rack in my hand, we ended up determining that there was like 18 inches of bone that was actually broke off the deer. Wow. Um, so, you know, just tying, you know, tying, uh, tying inches. Right. So, yeah. Super cool buck, man. Crazy. Like, so are you going to have, yeah, are you going to have old barn, uh, remake the antlers? You're going to leave them all busted up. I, so I went ahead and repaired them. I did. Oh, you did. Okay. Um, oh, nice. You know, I'm, yeah, I'm in there, I'm in there all the time and, and I've seen them do it. And I asked the owner, Sam, I said, Hey, do you mind if I give this a shot? And he's like, I don't give a shit. I was right. like, all right, well, I'm going to buy some epoxy. And he goes, you ain't buying shit. It's sitting <laughs> on the shelf. Just grab it and do it, you know? Right. I was like, well, I don't know what I'm doing. Let me watch a YouTube video. <laughs> but, uh, oh, he kind of he kind of coached me through it a little bit. And like I said, I've seen him shape them. And it's a little bit like um, that Patrick Swayze, Demi Moore ghost movie a little bit, you know? Um <laughs> So it's just keeping it wet and you just keep stroking it and shaping it and stroking it and shaping it and you know, whatnot. Um, it looks a little perverted at times um, because of the, the motion that you're doing. Right. Yeah. Especially when all the guys at the taxidermy taxidermy shop are standing over top of you watching you do it. It's like, (laughs) Yeah. yeah, they're watching me dip my hands in water and I'm making like an okay symbol you know, with right. my index finger and my thumb and I'm just basically stroking this kind, <laughs> shaping it, you know, pecking it down. I was like, 
God, this feels awful. But, and then one guy walks by and he goes, you look like you got some experience. I'm like, easy, tiger. Knock it off. Uh, there's, the massage, there's a massage parlor you might get a job at down the street, man. I'm just yeah, saying. Yeah, that's a long pullback. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, that's um, awesome. But that stuff takes about 24 hours, hardens, you know, mm. hard as a rock. And then um, I went back in a couple of days later and, and started painting, you know, matching up, you know, matching up colors and kind right. of blending colors together, whatnot. And I'm happy with it. I'm happy with how it turned out. And, and actually I didn't even add everything on there that was broke off. I mean, he had a G three on the right side. That was probably about 12 and a half inches. And I think I only made it like 10 inches, you know? Right. Right. Nice. I was happy with the shape. Did you get a, did you get the mountain back yet or not yet? No, uh, uh-uh. no. no. Um, I went ahead and left the horns there and they, uh, you know, they catalog everything and they do mm-hmm. such a good job with their inventory tracking. So, yeah. um, they're like, well, if you want to take them home, just sign them out and then you can sign them back in. And I'm like, no, nah, I don't, I don't need them, you know? Yeah, just let them that, let and them. I don't want to delay the process of them getting getting to my mouth. You know, right? Exactly. If you let them there, so, then, then you make then you know for sure it's in line. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, for so, sure. Do you have a uh, do you have a, sp- a specific kind of special place kind of picked out for the for this guy in the house? Yeah, yeah. Um, just because of the way I you've seen the way I've got stuff on the wall yeah. up up above the TV there. Uh, what basically I'm going to do is I, I have everything looking towards the center of the room. Um, so his head position is actually going to put him, um, just to the right of the center buck, but nice. he'll be on the second row. Nice. Um, so now I'm starting, it's kind of a zigzag row. Like there's two rows mm-hmm. now, so he'll, he'll be the first year on the third row. Nice. That's awesome, man. Yep. Yeah, dude, great hunt, um, man. I was super pumped, like I said, to get that yeah. uh, to get that FaceTime, man. It actually made my day. You know, it's uh Well, you know we're homies cuz um I'm trying to think you and my buddy Ward with musket powder mm-hmm. and my taxidermist. Um Yeah, you were the only three people that and oh, and my uh, Billy, Billy C. Right. Um, I I called four people that day. That's it. So, yep. yeah, man. you're well, you're in my top four of all oh, time, homie. There you go, man. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, as are you, man. But only my texts to yeah. you usually uh, include me missing something. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, you're like one of these oh, days you you'll, you'll get the call where I where I killed something. Well, and that'll be that'll be super rad when that happens. Yeah. Right. Right. But, oh man, I. But you drug I one out. You drug one out with me though. You drug one out with me. Yeah, though. that's right. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's like yep. so. Yep. So we we got that. You know, it, I don't know if that's winning yep. or losing, but. Oh, that's that, that's winning. Yeah, yeah, that's winning. And I mean, I was so pumped up to take those photos for you um, that night. Like, um, I I don't I don't particularly like dragging out deer because yeah. it usually reminds me of my cardio shit. Yeah. And exactly. I really hate dragging other people's deer out. <laughs> yeah. uh, but yours was like, hell yes. Yeah. Let's drag this joker. Yeah. yeah. So exactly. that's fun. Yeah, man. And, you know, like, and knowing that you had come all the way out here from PA. And so that was cool to see you get a good buck, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, dude, I still look at those pictures like 
no less than like twice a week. My flip, like yeah. I have, a, I, they're still saved in my phone. I mean, I have them on my computer yeah. as well, but they're on my phone yeah, still. Yeah. And I'll just like, every, like twice a week, I'll flip through and like look at them again. And my wife makes fun yeah. of me because the where that mountain is hanging is like in the entryway to my to my basement. Like, so you come from my kitchen, uh-huh. you open the door, and there's like an entryway wall. Like when you open that door, then to go down the stairs into the basement, and that's where I hung him because I'll see him every uh-huh. time I open the door to walk down. You know. And it's like, she yeah. makes funny because almost every time I walk by it, this is like really maybe creepy. I'm like, I, it's so weird to say it out loud. I go, I love you, Iowa Buck. Like every time yeah. I walk by it, I talk yeah. to it and say, yeah. I love you, Iowa Buck. And she's like, seriously, she's yeah. like, are, are you ever going to stop saying that when you walk down the stairs of the basement? I was like, nope. Not until there's nope. another one from Iowa that's hanging in that spot. I was like, that's yeah. when I'll stop saying yeah. it to that one. So, yeah. Or, I love you, Kansas Buck. Or you know exactly, yeah, exactly. But speaking of man, um, so that was kind of the wrap of your season, Kansas, right? It was kind of the close of everything because yep. at that point Iowa had shut down, like was done already, you know. Yeah. And so now yep. we're really talking about you know on to on to shed hunting, which that I know you're a fiend about to put on the miles for piles. So when are you getting ready to kick yep. that off? Um, or did you? You start know, there's already? been a lot. No, no, there's, there's been a lot more sheds. It seems like, it seems like every year antlers fall sooner and sooner, mm-hmm. or is it just because of social media, you know, of everybody's sheds, you right. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and more and more people are getting in shed hunting, mm-hmm. you know? So I don't know. I mean, but it does seem like there was, we had some cold snaps this year and mm-hmm. it caused some antlers to drop a little bit sooner, but Every year in Iowa, consistently, when I go through my phone and I look at when I'm finding the most amount of sheds, it's always between March 5th and March 12th. <laughs> That's when I do all my big scooping. Uh, I might walk the second and the third mm-hmm. and get blanked in a field, come back on the eighth and pick up six. Right. So, um, and now we've got about 16 inches of fresh snow on the ground. Oh, right. And it's, uh, about to be negative like 20 yeah. so dude that's what yeah i'm not that, shed hunting anytime yeah, soon <laughs> yeah dude i remember when i came out to scout and shed hunt with you it was like yep it was like in the, in the negatives that trip that was yep. that was gnarly yep. there wasn't a bunch of snow i mean there was a little bit of snow that was left because it had melted off but that's where i'm at yep. man like i'm chomping at the bit to get out to do some some scouting I want to put the the trailer back into the wind again, you know, and, uh, you know, do some scouting, do some shed hunting, shed hunting, not quite yet, but there's a big piece of public or a couple of big pieces of public that are maybe hour and a half, maybe two hours from me that my plan is to hit those this year, scout those. And I'm actually going to be hanging a bunch of trail cameras on it to try to see if I can't find a good mountain buck that's, uh, that's an Eastern PA. I know they're all over, you know, Western PA, I shouldn't say all over, but you know, the Allegheny is out there and that's a really great, you know, area and stuff like that. And there's, there's really good deer there. And so my thinking was, there's a couple spots I kind of learned of that I think are going to hold some decent deer up in the, up in the Poconos. And my plan is to head up there and do that. But I've got just around me, man, I've got 12 inches. The first, well, when you were here, we got 12 inches. Right. So that, well, at least mm. in my place, mm. out of my place, we got a foot. And then I think three days later, I got another eight to 10. And then I got another three to five this morning. And I'm getting like another three to five tomorrow, another three to five Tuesday. So it's like I'm over like two foot and I'm not in the mountains. You go up to the Poconos and 
that first snowstorm, they got two foot that first dump. So the chances oh, of yeah. so the chances of me actually getting out to do any type of scouting anytime soon. Yeah. Is like not until the snow melts, which really kind of sucks because the wife is all about the honey do list while I'm not scouting. So the only way I can get out of that is to uh is the scout. So I need the snow to, <laughs> I need the snow to be gone like tomorrow. <laughs> is what I'm saying essentially. Yeah. So, so what's uh that's what's the deal with the well cuz I know you had some you were thinking of some like new lease opportunities and stuff like that out by you or or not having a lease at all. Yeah. Or, you know, what's your plan for that cuz I know you were having some some issues with some jokers out out in your your neck of the woods. Oh yeah. Yeah, I was dealing with some knuckleheads out here and and um and I anticipate that I'll still be dealing with them a little bit. Um I might have to I might have to put hands on on people, you know what right, I mean? Right, right. Um but um you know, I was going to drop my lease altogether. Um but until I find another lease, I'm going to have to keep it. I just am going to go into the season a little bit differently this year and be a lot more aggressive and know that, Hey, I've got October and November. And then once we hit shotgun season, uh, that's it. You know, the property's done because, uh, I've got no guarantees that the landowner's not going to do the same thing to me this year that he did last year. And, you know, give a bunch of yahoos permission to go out there with their, 24 man army or whatever with shotguns and start slinging lead everywhere. Right. So I, you know, it's been brought up a hundred times. I'm not anti shotgun hunting. Right. I am anti driving. I'm anti party hunting and I'm anti, you know, jumping fences and just shooting shit that you don't have permission to hunt. You know, that sucks for everybody. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, in the way these, the way these kids went about gaining access to that property, um, you know, they're religious followers mm-hmm. and most people don't know where the property is, but if you know exactly where the property is and then you see some of the information that I put out there, I told them exactly where the buck was mm-hmm. in essence. Um, I mean, they killed that buck 72 yards from my grizzly box blind that I moved for late season. Right. I moved it into position to, to hunt that deer late season. And they ended up killing him 72 yards from that spot in the open field. Yeah. So, I mean, I was on him, you know? Yep. Yep. Um, if I had a semi-auto shotgun, I might've been able to kill him. Right. Yeah. Might, might, so, uh, I think might as a, <laughs> is uh, an understatement as many times as, you, yep. as you've seen that deer and as close as you were to him, you know, on, on, yep. mul- on multiple occasions. Well, and, and, you know, and the fact of the matter is, I mean, the deer got shot at multiple times with slugs. The first shot shot his leg off, hmm. like from the elbow down, right. blew it off completely. And then that doubled him over. And then, then he, it, then it was a mercy killing. And then it was lead slung at him from every direction. Right. As he tried to scramble to get back to his feet. I mean, you know, people always want to argue the ethics of bow hunting and, you know, that kind of stuff. Well, if you're sending 20 rounds at an animal to try to kill him, you tell me that's ethical, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, I think you would probably say the same thing. I don't want to speak for you, but 
regardless of what the of what the weapon of choice is it's like you still need to yeah <clears throat> take ethical shots and, and try to make ethical ethical kills yeah. and, and look yeah you miss you screw up you hit them bad sometimes it happens to everybody you know what i mean it happened to me this year in, yeah. in missouri you know what i mean so it's like i'm not yeah you know don't yeah. i don't want anyone to misconstrue this as me suggesting that i never take a bad shot or never hit hit something bad or whatever well i'll put yeah. it this way i don't intentionally take bad shots sometimes you don't make a great shot you know what i mean so yeah that, i think that's more the point that well, i'm making it's like you can't be 100 percent certain yeah. you try to do as, as much as you possibly can once you release the arrow or the bullet yeah. you know if you know you have buck fever or you clip up a small twig that you didn't see or whatever the case is i mean there's certain circumstances right like it shit happens right yep. but to cognizantly just kind of go um willy-nilly without a uh, uh an appreciation for what <clears throat> what it is you're trying to do and how how to go about doing it that's kind of fundamentally where i have a problem because not just as the is an animal in jeopardy and again john and i yeah. aren't dissing gun hunting i grew up gun hunting that's when mistakes yeah, and accidents yeah, happen. That's when mistakes and accidents happen. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the you know, the simple question is to ask any hunter. Anyway, yeah. would you take a shot at a running deer? Right. Well, no, it's a low percentage chance. Okay. So then what about people that do that? You know, right. I, I wounded a deer this year, Tyson in particular. Um, but I waited for him to stop. You know, I, I put all the cards into my favor for me to make a clean ethical kill. I fully expected that deer to drop and, you know, to duck the sound of the bow. And he just, he didn't. So that's on me. You know, I, I screwed up, but I put everything in motion, but no one can tell me that, you know, they're taking a hundred, a hundred yard shot with iron sights on a mm. running deer and they're slinging five, six rounds in his general vicinity right. that they give a fuck about ethics. Right. Yeah. You just, know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, like, there's, there's, yeah. it, they're just, they're w hoping and praying at that point or yeah, wish, wishing just, and hoping, you know, they're just horn hungry at that point. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, devaluing, um, I, I, I think, I think there's a little bit of devaluing, um, the animal's life at mm -hmm. that point. You know what I mean? Well, when you let the, you know, when you let your, um, desire to fill a tag or whatever it is, overcome your ability to. Yeah. Your moral compass, your moral compass, you or know? just your ability to have a thought process that keeps you, you know, um, from making terrible, terrible mistakes. You know what I mean? Cause yep, like agreed. for, for an example, right. Cause I mean, shooting the deer, wounding it, whatever the case is, is bad, but it's not the worst thing that can happen in the woods. Right. Yeah. The yeah. example that I'll give is I was actually in the woods when this happened. Um, it was actually, I don't know. It might've been national news. Maybe it wasn't. Um, there was a guy that was hunting in an area, uh, around where I live. I was actually not far away from the, from the guy. Did, I mean, I don't know him. I didn't know what was happening, but I just heard a bunch of sirens and my buddy called me. He was like, Hey, did you hear all those sirens? And I was like, yeah, he's like, apparently someone got shot. And this was like, uh, I think it would have been like 
October 17th, 16th, something like that. It was a Saturday, and I think it might have been the opening of like small games, so like Duck was open and stuff like that. So there was a lot of shots that were going on just in general. And I think it was also like mentored youth, or maybe in my special regs unit, it might have been limited doe, like limited doe hunting with a with a shotgun, I think is actually what it was. And this guy thought he saw like a deer's head bob. And I think when I read like the press release from like the, the police report or whatever, it was um I want to say it was like, I want to say they said like 300 feet or something like that. Right. So like he was like a hundred yards, a hundred plus yards away or whatever from the guy roughly and shot a guy sitting on a bench near this, near some water through the neck while yeah. he was sitting next to his girlfriend <laughs> and Ouch. killed him. You know what I mean? Like, because he saw something move that he couldn't tell what it was. And you know, it turns out this guy's had has had I, I guess some like infractions in the past. So I don't think he was like the 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 brightest bulb on the on the strand of lights, so to speak, you know. But regardless, yeah. you know, he wasn't verifying what he was shooting at. You know, obviously, certainly wasn't verifying anything that was behind that behind the target. You know what I mean? And mistook his target because he was just trying to like kill a deer at at any cost, right? And I think yeah, that yeah. is more the moral of like when you and I talk about this stuff, you know, because every time we get like, <laughs> it's funny, I can almost set my watch to it. Like we'll get some shitty comments. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. On like, yeah, on social or on YouTube or whatever. But the reality is, is like we're not talking about like the function of it being like gun hunting or whatever. It's a function exactly. of, you know, people taking, you know, uh, less care. And a lot of times that less care happens in the environment of those seasons where you are party hunting, things like that. And look, we drove and stuff like that when I was a kid, again, gun hunted, did deer drives, like did all that growing up, right? Get it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I understand there's a cultural thing about it too. I think where John and I kind of lie on this is that it lends itself to provide the opportunity to make mistakes, you know, yeah. I think that's the point that, that we're making. Does that, does that sound about right, man? Is that kind of encapsulated? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I grew, I grew up gun hunting myself, rifle hunting. I don't have a problem with any weapons. If somebody was taking pop shots with a crossbow mm-hmm. or, or a vertical bow, I, I, I have Say the, the same, same thing. Position. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it, it it is not the weapon. It is the ethics. That's it. Yep. That's all. That's all I'm saying. And um, and again, I, you know, I'm the one that brought it up. So don't hate Clint. Hate me. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay, man. I'll ride. I'll ride. I'll ride with you, man. You my ride or die. I back. got. I got. I got big shoulders. Right. And if and if you're still triggered, then come see me. We'll figure it out in person. Right. The uh, <laughs> the um. It's interesting though, like you mentioned crossbow there, because there was like a big to do recently that I was reading about. What's up with that repeating cross crossbow, dude? That shit was crazy, man. Yeah, like what is like? I don't even know what that is. It's like the the follow up shot crossbow. It's like, well, what that is is like, <laughs> as soon as I saw that, what I thought was is like, you know, cool. That's for the guy who was marginal with his attempt anyway. So we're gonna give him a couple more choice, a couple more chances. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's like, nah, probably don't need more chances. Like, right? Like, if I miss with my bow, chances are I'm not going to get another arrow. You know what I mean? It's real tough to regain composure. Yeah, and it, it, pull I probably, it together. 
I probably don't deserve another arrow because the best shot opportunity I was going to have was that first one. Was well, usually that first one, yeah. <laughs> right. Yep. It's like, so I made a marginal shot when when situation was prime, and now yep. you're going to give me a really quick follow up whenever the situation is compromised. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? Like it just doesn't make a whole lot of it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And it's not like I'm down on crossbow hunting necessarily. It's more I, I was more getting at um Montana had like this legislation, I think if I remember reading the article correctly, where in years past they had passed, you know, the the law or whatever it was that basically said like, Hey, you can use crossbows, but it's considered like as part of like the the gun season essentially like okay. you can use a crossbow but you have to use it during gun season if i remember correctly and i'm like makes I'm cool sense. Yeah. yeah i'm like that makes sense um and i also kind of think crossbows it's like look if someone has a disability or they hit a certain age and that's the only way they can get out in the timber then rock it out you know what i mean like that's kind of my feeling and yeah basically that was the law someone tried to reintroduce it and say hey we should open this up uh, i think was one of the one of the things they talked about um, potentially when they'd already kind of voted it down, if I'm not mistaken. And then they were also trying to kind of distribute more tags to resident outfitter, like outfitters, uh, to distribute versus allowing people to go through like the draw system, like non-residents to go through like the draw system to, to, to get a tag. Like, so yeah, a larger percentage of them were going, was going to be bought up by the, by the outfitters and limit outfitters. out of state, out of state uh-huh. opportunities. Cause basically they were saying that, the people who come to outfitters spend more money because they pay at the outfitter and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the DIY hunter just doesn't spend, put as much money into the economy. So we aren't going to uh, prior, prioritize them essentially is what they were saying, yep. which have you ever looked at those numbers like for the state of Montana and the state of Idaho and <laughs> like how much money comes in from non-residents? I have not. It's insane. It's is like, it? multiple 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 millions of dollars yeah i don't doubt that come from non-resident tags and i mean here's the thing like is it going to bring more money overall into the outfitters hands yes there will not be as many non-resident sold right yeah and and i think that that was our thing that that was their thing was like, how do we help the, they were thinking about small businesses and how do we help small business outfitters and stuff like that. Right. And the argument that was made and, you know, I don't think that they should go to, to, to outfitters personally, a couple of reasons. Um, one, I think when you move the tags over to the outfitter, I think what you said exactly, like you'll start to have a reduced number of, of non-residents coming out to, to hunt. Cause not everyone's going to want to pay the outfitter outfitter cost. I think that's the beauty of when you hunt the Correct. rest is you can have, an amazing experience and not have to hunt with an outfitter. You know what I mean? Because you have such yeah. vast public lands and stuff like that. So I think that yep. there's, I think that there's that component of it. The part that like fundamentally for me is why I wouldn't, why I don't like it is because that to me is just another handout bailout from the government. Like we're going to stack the yeah. deck business owner for you, but we're going to screw all these other ones. Like these other ones don't count, but we're going to figure out a way to help you make more money. And I'm a yeah. firm believer in supply and demand, right? In the in the economics of a state or the, you know uh, the economy in general, will decide and determine what is the strong and what will survive and what will not, and where w- those that do not, stronger, better suited ones will take their place. You know, yeah. so well, think about when you're on an airplane and they give you the instructions before takeoff. 
Mm-hmm. They say your mask will fold down, you fall down, right? Right. And the first thing they say, put on your own damn mask. Right. Then live, give assistance to somebody with getting their mask on because you're no good to that person if you're dead. Right. Right. Same thing in policing or whatever. So uh, the states need money, but they want to help out the small businesses. Okay, cool. Yeah. So let's let's take money out of our state's pocket to go fund some of these outfitters. I'm not saying right or wrong. I'm just playing devil's advocate. Right. But they are basically cutting off their nose, spite their face. Right. Yeah. That's and that's not that we're going to get political, but that's kind of the role of how things work. It's it's very circular, right? It's like you yeah. solve one problem to create another one to then try to yeah. find another solution, which then yet begets another problem. It's just you never you never actually find a solution. You just continually continually plugging holes and dams with fingers. Yeah. You know what I mean? Whereas like, whereas if you let those who are the weak be consumed (laughs) as they should be right. Like a, like just like a forest fire, like they're not bad. Right. It comes through, it burns things out. And what replaces is, is typically better than what was there previously. It's the same, same idea. And I'm not saying small businesses don't need support, but I I think it's kind of odd that you would just kind of selectfully kind of call out like, you know, in this state work because we have, a large part of our revenue comes from, you know, hunting license sales. We're going to specifically help this, help this group. You know, it's like, I'm sure there are plenty of restaurants and small mom and pop businesses outside of the outfitter community that are probably equally, if not more, you know, in dire straits, you know what I mean? So, and I'd like to know how much, um, again, not pointing fingers, not speculating, just devil's advocate, food for thought how much of this is driven by residential hunters. Mm, mm-hmm. If I've got some sweet hunting ground yeah. in public peace, and all of a sudden every year I have this huge influx of, you know, non-resident hunters coming into my shit. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Am I, am I going to write my, my, my con- you know, congressman? Right. You know, I don't know. And one of the things that I read that they were kind of saying kind of, tied into what you said earlier was just like the non-resident hunting numbers would likely drop over time. And that was the big concern that they had because essentially what they said was like, if we start putting the tags in like a select few's hands, right. They then have the ability then whether they generate revenue, enough revenue or whatever the case is to then start to grow their land mass. Right. Cause if you have more tags, you've got more hunters, you've got to, you got to get more land, right. To fulfill those, those needs. You can't have three times as many hunters pass through your outfitter out, you know, you're through an outfitter with the same amount of land, right? Cause your opportunity yeah. numbers and pressure and all those types of things that they have to manage and think about. So then they start buying up more land, which then reduces the amount of public land that's open to actually hunt, you know, yeah. free willy nilly, yeah. you know, like you and yeah. I would go hunt, you know? So yeah, it's a perpetual problem. Yeah. I, I, I see, I see it almost like a slippery slope effect, you mm-hmm. know, that very, very well could happen. I could be wrong, but it very well could happen that way. I mean, let's face it. I, I know some outfitters, you know, I'm not saying they exploit the ground, mm-hmm. but if they take a a property from a landowner and they're leasing it, dude, I'm telling you, they're in the purpose of making money. They're mm-hmm. going to burn through some resources. Yeah. And by resources, I mean the animals on the turf. Yep. And once they're gone, Okay. You know, you got to dump it and go find another lease. Yep. 
Exactly. Well, with that, ending on a high note there, ending on a real positive yeah. note. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll go Saving the best past. That's right. That's right. Damn politicians. I know, right? Well, uh, but with that, man, all you guys out there listening, if you haven't yet, go to the Arrow Wild YouTube channel and watch the Kansas hunt. Like it was one of my favorite hunts to watch this year. So I ask everyone to go do that. You won't be disappointed. Killer narration as always killer footage that Johnny always lays down as always. And just a real meaningful story. And the one thing that I always appreciate, appreciate about you, dude, not just our friendship, but you know, the things that you do also from a creative standpoint, it's a hundred percent Johnny Utah all the time and it's authentic as shit. And, and that's what I love about you, man. But before we, before we dip, let people know where they can find out more about Johnny, what all you got going on, bourbon barrel calls, turkey season's coming up, get your cluck on. Oh, dude, I'm telling you, we're, ri- oh, excuse me, I, these damn hiccups. Dude, I told you, stand on your head, homie, stand on your head. Well, I did that, and I would pay money to see you do that. Well, and I drink water through a straw upside down, and that got them away to come on the podcast, and then they just came back, and I was like, well, I can't really do that while we're recording. Right. Let's do it again. Um, bourbon barrel call on Instagram and, and Facebook, uh, custom, you know, custom Turkey calls made from reclaimed bourbon barrels. Um, let's see. Arrow wild TV, Instagram. I have lost access to my Facebook page right now. Um, how that happen? it is currently owned in Egypt. Oh, so I got hacked and they removed me as the admin. Nice. So that I'm sucks. trying to deal with Facebook right now to get it back. If anybody has any experience with getting a page back from Facebook, um, you know, there's not like there's a 1-800 number. Right. Um, I don't I can't even find the proper link to where you can like open up a service ticket or anything like that. Right. Like, right. so I've, I've lost access to that page. Excuse me. That page has been about a month now Jeez. that I haven't had access to it, but arrow wild Instagram still running. And then myself personally, uh, Johnny dot hunt and uh, Johnny Utah official on Facebook. But that's me. You can find me snapping pictures or trying to hunt and make some turkey calls. Right. Well, check yeah. it out. Check him out, folks. Thanks for coming on, dude. I always like talking to you. I always like having you on. My brother from another mother. The Rattler. He's out. (laughs) See ya. All right, folks, that is a wrap for today's show. I'd like to thank all of you for listening. And if you haven't yet, please head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating. And hell, while you're at it, head over to YouTube and give us a sub there, too. I'd be super appreciative if you'd be able to do those two things for me. And before I shut this thing down, I need to give a big shout-out to our partners who continue to help us make this podcast possible. Tethered, Exodus Outdoor Gear, Skull Brew Coffee Company, and Maven Optics. And until next time, we'll see y'all.
All right, gang, the new Truth merch is in stock at truthfromthestand.com and on YouTube below any of the Truth From The Stand videos. I've got some new hats, beanies, t-shirts, long-sleeve t-shirts, and sweatshirts. There's even a new do-hard-shit hat for those of us who like to embrace micro-dosing adversity. So head to truthfromthestand.com and check out the new gear and use the code TRUTH, T-R-U-T-H, and save yourself some cash on the new gear.